Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I'm pleased to introduce my special guest, Dr. Jen Forrestal. Dr. Jen is the CEO and founder of The Umbrella Project, a school curriculum and parenting program designed to create a profound paradigm shift in our understanding of personal well-being and to empower parents, teachers, and children to choose well-being even on the rainy days. She has worked extensively with schools and organizations, shifting the way we, pre- we are preparing for life's inevitable rainy days and building the powerful coping skills necessary for health and happiness. Such a beautiful, beautiful gift. Jen, thanks so much for joining. It's great to have you here today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Sue. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to share this conversation with you. Awesome. So as we both know, it's not possible to protect our children from the ups and downs of everyday life. And in today's environment, children of all ages need to develop strengths, acquire skills to cope, recover from hardships, and really be prepared for future challenges. They need to be resilient in order to succeed in life. Can you share with our listeners what resilience looks like to you and for our children today? Yeah, I'd love to. So this is really an area that I'm so passionate about because I think we've, we've taken an interesting turn in mental health where we, what we really do is we take kids who have already experienced difficulties, who we've flagged as having some kind of a mental health challenge, and then we try to address those things. And, and we've sort of forgotten that life inevitably 100% reigns for every single human at some point. So my kids and your kids and every child in my child's school and everybody, right? Nobody is getting out of life without a series of challenges. This is just the human condition. This is what it is to be human. And so I'm so committed to helping people understand, proactively prepare for these inevitable times in life instead of being so shocked when something something happens to us. So resilience is really our capacity to recover from these difficult times and even take value from these difficult times. I mean, if you look at any story of somebody doing something incredible in life, there is always layers and layers and layers of coping skills and um, challenges that they've overcome to strengthen them, to make them capable of these amazing things that they're doing in life. And when we buffer our kids from stress or when kids um, are exposed to way too much early stress, it prevents them from building this capacity that they need to rebound and to bounce back from these challenges. So that's really what resilience is. It's that ability to have something happen to you that gives you those negative feelings, whether it's anger or jealousy or sadness or frustration, and then get through that difficult time in those feelings. So resilience isn't about not having feelings. It's absolutely about feeling those feelings, getting through them, and then learning that on the other side of those feelings, there can be sunny days again. There can be strength. You can actually learn and grow from those challenges. 
I love the way you describe challenges and the way you describe the weather. (laughs) I think the sunny days and the rainy days are all here as part of nature. We can't avoid them just like we can't avoid challenges that are going to pop up in our everyday life. And I couldn't agree with you more. The strength that we actually build in moving through challenges and having the opportunity to learn as opposed to being rescued from a challenge or our parents perhaps, you know, when we're children, averting life's daily challenges and keeping us in what what I would refer to as a bubble so we didn't have to have any hardships is not an opportunity to learn, grow, and develop these wonderful skills. So let's talk about those skills and let's talk about how to build those skills. For sure. And I really think about it as like that bubble, it's, it's trying to keep our kids in a bubble of happiness. So whenever I speak to parents, I always talk about the fact that the reason we do this, the reason we overprotect our kids, why we fix things for them, why we, we don't like seeing them sad or upset and we want to fix it is because we're worried. I mean, I'm a parent and I'm worried. I look at the world and the stats and everything I see on social media every day and I feel concerned. And so when I see my child start to feel anxious or depressed or whatever the feelings are, I I have this knee-jerk reaction like I want to fix it. And so I always like to start the conversation just acknowledging that it's okay that we're here. It's okay to be worried about your kids. And, And this is just about understanding that our response to the worry is actually doing our children a huge disservice in their ability to cope Uh, for themselves in the future. So I just wanted to qualify that because I feel like this conversation often comes down on parents for being overprotective. And and it's not that. I think it's just our natural response is no longer serving our kids in the way that we need to serve them. I couldn't agree more. And I'm going to just add something to that. I think we parent from a place of fear at times. And and worry, fear and worry go together. And it's very common worldwide. I work with people all the time that have these fears and worries. And I think it's whether you serve them tea, I like to say, the worry comes in, you see it, you acknowledge it, and then you focus on what you can do to support whatever's happening around you, as opposed to taking the worry and running away with it. Does that make sense? We don't want to take the worry and live in the worry world. We want to take the worry, process it, let it go out the back door, and then refocus on how we can support our children in navigating in the best way they can and empower them through some of these things that I'm sure you're going to share with us about resilience. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love, um, I can't remember who, who said this, but the idea that worry is actually your brain trying to protect you from something. And so instead of trying to get rid of worry, we should be thanking our brains for trying to protect us. But also the fact that you don't always need to believe everything that your brain is telling you. And sometimes it it sets off the worry alarm way too aggressively for the situation so that we can actually have conversations with our brain. Like, thank you very much. I like to acknowledge that anxiety and worry is, is something that good that our brain is trying to do for us and then say, but I, I think you might be going over, over the top this time. I think actually the situation is fine, right? So we don't have to believe everything our brains tell us. Right. Yeah. Not, not following it down the rabbit hole, I like to say. Exactly. So resilience and uh, the umbrella project is really built on the foundation that life 100% reigns and that all of our different coping skills 
weave together to form an umbrella of protection against those experiences for us. So they help to downgrade how stressful those situations feel and actually give us something internal that we can use to protect ourselves in those situations and to make us feel like we have some control in a situation that might otherwise be outside of our control. So when it comes to resilience, that's one of the skills that we talk about in the umbrella. And there's others like self-compassion and mindfulness and a sense of purpose and empathy. There's all different skills that that protect us. Um, and resilience is one of those, that ability to trust that uh, we can get through something challenging. So let, let's talk about how to cultivate the, the, this resilience, because I'm sure many of our listeners today would love to take away some key components of the day-to-day life with our children and how we can help our children to be more resilient. So important in today's world. Mm-hmm, for sure. So when I think about cultivating resilience in my own kids, I'm often weighing out the ratio of rain to umbrella in their lives. So kids have smaller umbrellas, usually developing umbrellas, and there is a a certain amount of rain in their lives that is very much manageable and within the capacity for them to cope. So, and when we allow our children to work through these stressors on their own, so this is sort of like one of the key principles of resilience is their brains and their bodies actually begin to perceive these stresses as more and more manageable the more they work through them. So the first thing I always recommend is, is sort of do a umbrella to rain check for your kids because sometimes that mean friend at school is uh, totally manageable and within their coping skills and sometimes they need a little extra support and protection from us right depending on what else is going on in their lives at that moment so I think the first step is always to let them experience as much as they can handle in terms of challenges not jump in to protect them Uh, I don't know if you saw, there was an article circulating recently on Facebook about not getting involved with your kids' coaches in sport and how how coaches are essentially never right in everybody's eyes. They're either playing the good kids too much and then, you know, or they're playing the the more with the weaker kids and, and, but not getting involved in all of those things for your kids, not taking on every challenge for them is so powerful in helping them build their own coping skills. I did see that article, and I absolutely love that. The more we take a step back and watch them, yeah. in, in my opinion, the more we're actually able to see all their skills and talents exactly. and abilities in coping, in moving forward. And, and we can appreciate the fact that they have these wonderful skills because we see them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we are stepping in and solving problems and giving them advice and telling them how to move through something with a friend, et cetera, et cetera, we're actually not seeing our children rise to the occasion and utilize their skills. And perhaps those skills would get squashed in the process because they don't feel they have a need for them. So they're not cultivating and using them. Exactly. And, you know, I love good conversations with kids. So it doesn't mean that we're not having great conversation with them about what they're going through just means that we're not telling them what to do or intervening in a way that prevents them from um, being able to do it themselves. I always think of the, you know, the classic parenting, like, don't worry, baby, I've got this. Somewhere subtly tells kids, you don't have this, right? I need to get this for you. So I like thinking about, I, I like thinking about that quote when I'm thinking about, um, 
how much I'm helping my kids through a situation. But one of my favorite questions and great conversation is just asking your kids as they go through a challenge, what does it mean to you? right? Because we know we're not really what happens to us in life. We're the story we tell ourselves about what those things mean. So for one child who's bullied, for example, they may think, oh, that guy is such a mean guy. You know, maybe his parents aren't very nice to him. Maybe somebody else is being mean to him and that's why he's taking it out on me. And another child might think, nobody likes me. Uh, I don't have any friends, right? So same exact experience, very different meaning. And if you can ask your kids often, like, what does it mean that you didn't do well on your math test? You can hear what story they're taking from the experiences they're having. And and then you can work on shifting only the stories that have a detrimental effect on their well-being or that aren't true, right? If, If you didn't do well on your math test and it means to you, well, you know what, I was, I had hockey every night this week and I was really busy and I didn't have a chance to study. Well, that's not really a broken story, right? That's a a truthful story and that your child can work through. And your child sees it for themselves. I love that. And and I have a question that's a little different from, from yours in curi- using the word curiosity. I'm curious what that looks like or what you feel about that or mm-hmm. how you feel about that. Because when we actually ask our children these questions, and as you said, have these wonderful conversations, number one, we see they're capable. Mm-hmm. And by just making a brief comment or even smiling and nodding, we're actually showing them that we believe in them, that we see their capabilities in moving forward and handling something or understanding that they need to cultivate time to study because they were out all week, you know, et cetera. And so I think it's such a beautiful way to engage a child and really foster the child's belief in themselves too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so interesting how much kids are are often a pretty blank slate and they're just gathering meaning as they go through life, right? And and a lot of that comes from your parenting reaction to the things that are happening to them. So a lot of times when we react, uh, you know, if my daughter comes home and says somebody was being mean to me, if I react and say, oh, no, that's awful. I can't believe that happened to you. What I'm telling her with my body language, with my voice, with what I'm saying is that something terrible happened to you, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of the reaction that would maybe tell her, you know what, that, that sucks. I've been there too, but something normal happened to you. People aren't nice 100% of the time and, and that stuff's going to happen, right? And if we can normalize it in their minds, it downgrades the severity of what's happening to them. So I love that you said even just like, the way you smile and nod at them and, and your subtle language around them really does inform meaning. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and let's talk a little further about what this requires from parents because one thing that came to my mind as you were just sharing that is neutrality. Our emotions need to be in check and almost in a neutral place. Well, not almost, definitely in a neutral place where we're not overreacting or underreacting. We're just here in the moment with our child learning what was going on at school or wherever the situation was. Mm-hmm. And that neutrality is important in what it shares in emotions and meaning to our children. What else is required from parents in your opinion? Um, so I think along with that neutrality comes 
time spent, undivided attention with your child. And, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to a parent about resilience, I'll talk literally about 10 minutes a day, right? Just 10 minutes of undivided attention where there's, you don't have your phone on, you're not cooking dinner. There's nothing else that's taking your attention away from your child. And I think that cultivates just awareness of where your child is at. You know, when, when we're distracted, what we miss is usually not the words, but the, the, body language and the subtlety that is underneath that, right? And and that connection with our kids. So I think that's one thing that's definitely needed is, is undivided attention, even in tiny doses to really, really understand. And then also just accountability as for your and ownership of your own feelings. So while I, I love the idea of the, you know, parenting from a more neutral emotional space and trying to put time between your feeling and your reaction so that, you know, you're parenting based on your values and not your emotions. I also think that, and I mean, correct me, I don't know if if this happens to you too, but certainly at least a few times a week, there's times when I might lose my temper or, you know, react in a way I didn't want to, or I'm busy and running out the door and whatever it is. Um, And so being able to own those feelings too teaches your kids that it's okay to have big feelings and it's okay not to react perfectly every single time. But what does it look like on the other side of that, right? That looks like me saying, you know what, guys? Lost my temper. I didn't mean to to get upset, but here's why that happened, right? I was, we didn't leave enough time for this. And then everybody was getting stressed and whatever the situation is. So I think ownership is the other huge piece as an adult. I mean, I've worked with a lot of parents whose kids have struggled deeply with mental health issues. And some of that struggle has come actually from perceiving that their parent is perfect and, and doing all these amazing things and without fault and feeling like that is way too big of a shoe to fill or a, um, you know, a world to step into when they're imperfect. And so I think imperfection is actually like an incredible parenting tool. Wow. I love that. So let me go back uh, to discuss two of the really important key points that you just made. And one is the, the 10 minutes of connection and 10 minutes of really undivided attention. What I'd love to add that that also conveys to your child is that they're valuable. Mm-hmm. They are valuable of receiving your undivided attention. Mm-hmm. And to be seen, heard, and valued as a person in this world, as a human being, and especially as a child, is enormous. Many of us who are adults now are walking around this earth, maybe not having felt that as children. And I think that is such a key component in raising children today is be sure that you are giving them that sense that they are seen and they are heard and they are valued in a way that serves them. Mm -hmm. So I love that you shared that. And the second thing is the accountability. We are our children's models. And we are what I like to call us as imperfectly perfect. Absolutely. And so accountability is huge. I'm so glad you brought that up because we do. We teach our children so much by taking ownership and apologizing. I grew up in a family where my mother did the best she could. She's wonderful. I love her. But I'm sorry, it was not in her vocabulary ever. Mm-hmm. And once she became an, an adult, 
<laughs> I'd like to say. Uh, and I became an adult. We became adults together. I, I actually was able to teach her how important those words are. And I think the same thing is true you know, for my children, I'm sure you could speak for your children. And my children don't live under my roof right now. Uh, that can change at any moment. Who knows? But there are still moments where I don't react to a situation the way I would like. Maybe I'm rushed and hurried and, and preoccupied, and I don't give the situation the attention it deserves. And I circle back because I know the importance that that moment may have had to them and I didn't give what I was capable of giving. And I want to hold myself accountable because it feels good, number one. And number two, it is a beautiful opportunity to model so many important things to our children. So I'm super grateful that you brought that up as well. Yeah. And you know, on top of that, what I, as a parent, what I love about it too, is it feels good to take ownership over your positive. It's hard to live under a layer, under a mask of um, trying to be something and and not feeling okay about making mistakes yourself, right? Like there is such catharsis and like, I, st- I don't even know how to describe the feeling, but like power in accountability where you can be okay with who you are, radical self-acceptance, right? Where you you accept yourself and everything about yourself. and And that is where your power is, right? It's not in the perception of perfect and it's not in hiding our faults. It's in this radical self-acceptance where we're okay that we weren't perfect that day as a parent, not even close, right? <laughs> yes. And, nice. and every single parent goes through this, every yeah. single parent and that guilt creeps in and, you know, working all over the world as a coach, I talk to parents all the day, all the time daily about guilt. And in my book, guilt and parenting don't go hand in hand. We need to remove the guilt from our day-to-day activities and put ownership in its place because guilt does not serve. But ownership, as you said, not only does it serve us, but there's some sense of comfort in it as well. Yeah. You know, I've had so many experiences with friends and um, colleagues that I've, you know, you go to a, a child's birthday party and the parent is absolutely has everything perfect. Every cupcake, every present, every experience is crafted for this, this experience for the child that their birthday party is, is absolutely perfect. But at the same time, you watch that parent and they look unhappy. They are, they are not smiling. They are running around fixing every little hiccup that could come up. And I regularly have conversations with my good friends along the lines of like, this is amazing and wonderful what you're doing for your child. But remember that they're also watching you. And is this how you want your child to experience their child's sixth birthday party? Is this the feeling you want them to have? Because as much as they're, as you're creating this sort of experience for them, they're also watching what it means to be a mom. And most of my friends are like, God, I love you and I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, it's that, right? Are you taking care of yourself as a human? Are you getting exercise and, and doing the things you love and spending time with, are you modeling who you want your child to grow up to be? Or are you 
creating an environment for them that you think you want them to have. And in the meantime, you are absolutely at the sacrifice of that environment. Because this is, I think, how, especially as women, we're propagating this martyrdom down all these generations instead of um, showing our kids what we want them to live into, balance and self-care and love and all those things. Right. It's like a false persona. Mm-hmm. A false persona. And our children are watching every move we make. They're not necessarily listening to everything we say. So I, I remember as a child, my mother <laughs> saying, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and so, you know, God forbid I should pick up a pack of cigarettes or anything like that. Uh, Mom, I hope you're not listening. And, uh, and I think really it's today's world. Children are watching everything we do and not necessarily listening to the advice or the, the commands we might give them, so to speak. And so one of the things that we can ask a mother who's putting on this birthday party is what do you want or how do you want your child to describe you when they grow up? Mm-hmm. What do you want them to see in you as their mother? And I think that's a huge question for many parents out there, not just moms, dads too. What do you want your child to see in you? Yep. The real you. The (laughs) real you. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's funny how you mentioned uh, um, the, uh, oh, what was I going to say there? Oh, how they're, they're not always listening to your advice, but it is absolutely amazing what they actually here, right? You think they're not paying attention, but my, I have an eight-year-old boy. So it's funny. He can be completely lost in his own world, doing whatever he's doing. And my husband and I can be having a conversation, you know, in the room and you wouldn't, he would not hear anything. But if I say the word poop or (laughs) maybe whatever the word is, he will literally look up from what he's doing and repeat the word, you know, or if there's like, if a swear word slips in there or something that he knows is, is more interesting. It's like that information is filtering in and he's filtering it for the, the, the pieces that he wants to um, hear. So I think even subconsciously, there's more going into our kids' minds than we, we think there is. Absolutely. They're, they're always listening, even when they're not listening. <laughs> exactly. But then they're selectively hearing too. <laughs> <laughs> and who could blame them? Who could blame them? So it's, it's absolutely true. And I think as parents, it's really important to be aware of that. And your conversations in front of your children, even, even in another room where they could overhear, are important to filter in a way that shares the information that you'd want them p- potentially to overhear or absorb and not share the information you don't want them to overhear or absorb. Mm -hmm. So it's important to be very aware of that. Yeah, for sure. So Jen, I would love to share with our audience uh, your website, which is umbrellaproject.co to learn more about Jen's amazing work in this world. And Jen, before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience? Any parting words of wisdom or anything that you would like them to know? Um, I think, uh, so we've broken down the umbrella project. And when you go to the website into parenting months, so this month's all about mindful parenting. And I know there's a lot of information out there about how to parent your children differently and better. And I'm acutely aware of adding into that space where there's already a lot of information. So what I usually recommend parents do is, you know, check in each month, 
find out what the skill is, really think about whether that's something your child is strong at, or maybe it's one of the holes in their umbrella, and then use that uh, awareness to just pick out those couple parenting things that will really make a difference in your house for your child. We're each raising individuals and the goal is not to be completely overwhelmed with trying to be a better parent. Cause I think even in this space, Sue, and I'm sure you see this, sometimes it gets to feel like there's so many things you could do to be better. And that's not really the goal. The goal is just to see your child as an individual and then, you know, recognize them for their strengths and help to patch the holes in their in their umbrella of coping and and just work that way so um that's what I would say is just like take a deep breath relax pick out the couple things that work in your house for you with your child as an individual and and go from there I think that's beautiful beautiful advice focusing on one thing at a time is is sure helpful yeah well thank you so much for being on the show today it has been an honor and a pleasure And thank you for joining us. Remember, every moment is a new moment for conscious connection. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes or wherever you listen in. And be sure to visit DeCaroParentCoaching.com for a free download of 10 ways to connect with your child.